Welcome to Spirit Speaks, where angels and non-physical beings of pure love share their wisdom, perspectives, and tools to help you in your life. I'm your host, Lisa Virtue, and I channel spirit by allowing them to use my voice to speak directly to you. I'm also an energy healer, where through personal, customized sessions, I facilitate your transformation to your most amazing self. Spirit has been working with me for over a decade, and in that time, I've been witness to many miracles and life-changing moments. I've experienced a multitude in my own journey, so know firsthand what truly is possible. It is our desire, Spirit and myself, to support you in living your most authentic, beautiful life. Today, we have a special guest back on the show, Nancy Dannison. So we've done the show with Nancy before, where she told us all about her amazing and very profound near-death experience. It's one of the most extensive that I've ever encountered. And so if you'd like to hear the whole story that Nancy has to share, you can watch that back either on video or I have a podcast recording on lisavirtue.com. But for today, we've got Nancy back so that she can talk a little bit more about some of the things that we covered and answer some questions from viewers. So welcome back to the show, Nancy. It's so wonderful to have you here. Oh, that's wonderful to be here. It's good to see you again, Lisa. It really is. (laughs) I think we enjoy each other a lot. Yes. (laughs) So last time you were telling us about uh, that we have five spiritual superpowers, and we didn't have time to go into that. So today, I think that's what we're going to talk about. First off, I want to make it clear that these are not my opinions. These are not my views. These are not thoughts I ever came up with. I'm not that smart or creative. <laughs> All the information that I you know, put forth in my books and, and CDs and DVDs and YouTube videos and you know everywhere is from my memories of the information that I got directly from source while I was in the afterlife. Now, when I say source, I mean what other people mean when they say God or Yahweh or the supreme being or, you know, whatever their chief deity is. And I don't use the word God because my experience in human life has been that most people think of God as being human-like. And the entity that I um, became intimately familiar with in the afterlife has almost nothing in common with humans. It doesn't have any physical mass And it struck me as more of an extremely large energy field. So when I visualize it, I think more of like the sun and how the sun has a corona and the corona kind of flares off into the atmosphere and then sunlight goes even further, you know, all the way to Earth and other planets. So the, the part that's the ball of gases that we call the sun, I would call the core personality of source. And then everything that goes off from the sun, I would call um, still source. But that's where the universe exists, is within that part of source that's composed of its creativity and imagination and thinking. Mm. So we souls inside humans have spiritual superpowers because I was shown and lived and and made to understand that the universe isn't anything like what our religious and spiritual precepts teach us. God is not separate from us. We are, in fact, I guess what I would describe as characters in Source's mind. Like a novelist has book characters, and our characters are created uniquely by Source, and then, and, and our characters have some source traits and some traits that source can imagine but can't actually experience directly. And then those characters can incarnate into pieces and parts of the physical universe. Okay. So it's, 
And I call those characters light beings because that's what they look like when near-death experiencers go into the afterlife and they see them. They look like beings of light or <laughs> beings of energy, whatever. Um, so we so we are the soul part of the human soul combination. We are not the human part. The human part is manifested directly by source through the miracle of evolution. Hmm. We souls are source intentionally and directly putting its own self-awareness and consciousness into physical matter. So that's my introduction to where all these spiritual superpowers are coming from. We have them because we're source. And I experienced in the afterlife, and then since I've been back in the body, I've experienced the same superpowers. The first one is the, the one that's kind of the foundation for being able to use the other four. And I call it multiple simultaneous levels of awareness. And that's what I called it when I was in the afterlife and I was experiencing it. I was able to like step back and see myself objectively and see my whole life and the patterns and the, the whys and the wherefores. And I was able to understand, you know, myself so much better. And then I could step back from that and see myself stepping back from myself. And I could see the two layers there, the, you know, the two uh -huh. levels of awareness. And I was even more aware. And I kept going backwards and backwards and seeing all these multiple levels of awareness of myself. I found a picture in a newspaper that kind of shows it. I hope oh, you can oh, yes. see this. Yeah. Oh, cool. See that? <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the idea. We only need to use one of those multiple levels of simultaneous levels of awareness in order to use the other four superpowers. Okay. And that's can be done in meditation. What I call meditation, not what, you know, not listening to a tape, not listening to music, not, you know, being directed visually, you know. I'm talking about sitting or lying down or whatever, you know, quietly making your mind a complete blank, total blank, no words, no thoughts, no sensations, complete absence of human input. And once you've done that, you step back and observe, oh, yeah, and you don't use the words, oh, the mind's blank. You just <laughs> step back and see there's nothing going on there. And then eventually a thought is going to come in. And if you, if you step back in your level of awareness, you'll see that thought come into the mind. And then you're able to go, huh? Well, if I'm the one stepping back, observing the thought coming into the mind, who's having the thought? Mm -hmm. What's the human? Mm -hmm. So once you can see, you can separate yourself in your mind as the soul from the human animal's mind, then you're in a position where you can exercise your spiritual superpowers. Now, another way to um, achieve that same observer or witness you know, perspective is by engaging the body in something that requires human concentration, but not mental concentration. For example, mowing the lawn. Hmm. Um, taking a shower, uh, lifting weights, uh, running on a treadmill, uh, something where the body's got to pay attention to what it's doing, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to think about it because mm -hmm. it's, you know, a rote. It's just enough to engage the mind in an activity, but not so much that it takes all of your focus so that the other part of you can can be doing that. I, that happens a lot in the yoga classes that I lead. We, we just engage the mind with the breath and then the rest of it can, can be in that observer. Great. Oh, that's, that's great. I guess I should be doing yoga <laughs> so I could know that. But uh, anyway, so that's the first superpower is being able to step back and observe our human body and our human mind as the soul that we are. The second superpower, once we get into that observer or the witness position, is we can access what I call universal knowledge. 
universal knowledge is everything. <laughs> everything source knows. And source knows everything? That was a question a viewer had. Does source know everything or is there anything that source doesn't know? Source, my experience living inside the core of source was that it does know everything intellectually. Mm. What it doesn't know is what it feels like. You know, so it's like the difference between reading a book about a cowboy and actually getting on a horse and riding the range and, you know, roping cattle and, you know, <laughs> doing the whole nine yards. Yeah. So the reason why Source created the universe in its own mind and the reason it's created all these characters and things that are different than Source is so it can experience what it feels like and match those feelings to knowledge, to intellectual knowledge. And so when I'm talking about universal knowledge, I'm talking about the combination of the intellectual and the emotional or the experiential knowledge of having lived through it. Mm. And that's what we souls do. We gather those feelings and experiences and that experiential knowledge for source. Nancy, I had, as I connect with spirit and, and talk with light beings, I guess, They've had the message before to me that just existing, you've succeeded in life because you are experiencing and you can't not experience when you're here. Does that sound accurate? I mean, we can do all sorts of things and make it more and enrich it. But would you say that's really just being in a physical body is the reason that we're here or a main purpose? Yes, I was told and shown that the reason we come into human life is to see what does it feel like to live a human life? Mm -hmm. you know? So if that's what you do, if you do nothing more than eat, sleep, recreate, procreate, and drink water, <laughs> <laughs> um, and live a biological human life, you serve your purpose because that's what you wanted to feel. There are others among us who've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. And we've incarnated into humans more than once. And so we oftentimes bring into an incarnation a, a goal of you know, something that we want to accomplish, not just living a human life. There's nothing wrong with just living a human life. <laughs> and it's supposed to be joyful. <laughs> and we're gonna get we're gonna get to why it doesn't always work out that way. But when we access universal knowledge by, you know, stepping back and observing the human, that puts us in touch with the rest of us that stays in the afterlife. I had no idea before I died that when we incarnate, only part of our energy goes into the physical form. The rest of it stays in the afterlife. Mm. And that part that stays in the afterlife knows what we're up to. I mean, that part knows what we want to do, what our goals are, whether we're on track, you know. So to my way of thinking, if you want guidance for your life, mm -hmm. hallelujah, it's right there. The rest of you in the, the afterlife can you. tell you exactly what you know, what I want to know. Exactly. But you have to get into that observer out of the human mindset, out of the human way of thinking in order to get that information. But once you get into that observer, that witness role, you can just ask yourself, hey, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Or, you know, what do you recommend? Or am I on track? Or, you know, whatever you want to know. Mm -hmm. You can also access directly Source's entire databank of information mm. and get things mundane and esoteric. So you can ask for answers to all your spiritual questions. Yeah, and that, I think that's kind of what you do, isn't it, Lisa, when you're talking to spirit? Yeah, definitely. You're, you're mostly uh, talking, you're talking a, a about A lot of it I'm talking, picks. yes, uh, all sorts of things. It's been enough years now that all the questions are, are coming through. But, you know, when I'm connecting, I there's definitely when I'm connecting with my greater self. And particularly when I'm just looking for my own um, answers in my own life, I can feel, it's like a feeling inside of me and knowing inside of me. Um, and it has an understanding that I know is greater than what I was just dealing with. 
and and so I can receive that knowingness. And then I also end up uh, in the channeling that I do talking with you know what I call spirit guides, uh, which I I would think is light beings and the probably the greater aspect of other people as well, and and just receiving that. But it does take being in that quiet observer to be able to distinguish. Okay, that's my human mind, and that's I put that aside, and this is something that feels different and wonderful. And you expressed it perfectly when you said knowing. That's when you're sure you're getting information from source. Is you just feel this deep knowing. You know it's true. Yeah, yeah. When there's a questioning, that's not it. Right. Yeah. That's the human mind working on the yeah. problem, trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. And I have access universal knowledge for simple things. Um, I can remember one in particular. Is I have this accounting software that sometimes baffles me and I can figure out, you know, and it's double entry debit and credit. I can figure out where the debit goes, but I couldn't figure out where the credit goes. And, you know, I worked on it and I searched the internet and I, you know, asked questions of the community for, you know, QuickBooks. And I, you know, I did all this stuff and I called my sister who's a bookkeeper and, you know, (laughs) nobody could come up with an answer. So finally I just, you know, went into the meditative state and I stepped back and I, I said, listen, I know somebody out there knows the answer to this. Just tell me already. And I got this little voice in my ear. Oh, you're supposed to credit such and such. So, Perfect. You know, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's anything you want to know, literally anything you want to know. Uh, now, some people have asked me, does that mean you can find out your future? Mm. The answer to that is yes and no. Like I've had a life review where I saw my future. I had that life review while I was in the body. I got out of the body to have the life review. But that was one time when I saw my future. But the the real answer is we manifest physical life moment by moment. There's no future until we manifest it. Mm. There's nothing set in stone. There's nothing predestined. There's nothing, no karma, no, you know, nothing. It's all right here in our own hands. Well, spiritual hands, not human (laughs) hands. (laughs) So manifesting physical reality is the third spiritual superpower. Would you say, Nancy, with the future that we sort of create or we're on a like a vibrational track? So it's like with everything that we've so far manifested, we're heading in a certain direction and the energy is kind of going that way. And if we keep on the same track, that's likely what could happen. But at any moment we can go, you know what, I'm going this way instead and change direction. Well, that's the beauty of manifesting. It's the, the power that source uses to create and maintain the universe. Mm-hmm. We can create and maintain our own universe. And that idea of a track that you're talking about, what causes that is that we souls inside these bodies manifest into the body's physical reality what we souls deeply and truly believe about life, about ourselves, about the afterlife, about everything. Mm. And so it feel, and we will constantly, unconsciously manifest the same things over and over <laughs> because we're manifesting our unconscious beliefs. Yeah. And that's going to feel like a path because mm-hmm. that's what we've been doing. And when you're talking about, you know, making a, a turn off the path, we can do that by using two techniques in conscious manifesting. One, well, two techniques. One is conscious manifesting. The other is to kind of fix our unconscious manifesting. Conscious manifesting is where we deliberately set out to create an event or a circumstance or, you know, some, an experience in our life where we go into that meditative state and we form the intention to create whatever, create a new job, create a new house, create a, you know, whatever. The bigger, more important part of the manifesting 
power is to fix our unconscious mm-hmm. manifesting. Yes. Because, you know, we, we start forming our beliefs literally in utero. We souls enter fetuses in utero at different times. You know, you can't pinpoint when it happens. And we can hear everything that's being said around us. And we start thinking, oh, that's what it's like. Oh, that must be true. We have no reason not to believe everything we hear. Mm-hmm. We have no ability to determine what's a joke and what's real. We have no ability to determine when somebody's wrong or right or crazy or, you know. Mm-hmm. So everything that we pick up in utero and then after we're born and then as we're children growing up, everything we hear, we believe. And we make judgments about those beliefs. For example, we can come up with a crazy thought that our parents don't love us. Mm-hmm. Based, based on, you know, who knows what, like you're watching a TV show or, you know, it, it can be anything, but we can come up with just wrong beliefs. You know, if our, our father doesn't um, like his job, we may grow up believing that everybody hates their job and it's a chore and you shouldn't even try to find a job that you enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. We can grow up to believe that it's normal for our parents to slap us around. Because that's what we experience, and we believe what we experience. And so there are a lot of real bottom line beliefs that people grow up with that the soul absorbs and then manifests the physical life to match. Mm-hmm. So if you've grown up with the erroneous belief that you're not lovable because you're ugly, you will manifest a life where you don't act lovable. And you don't present yourself as attractive and you will reinforce that belief by manifesting events that match it. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can really go down a rabbit hole that way. Yeah. But you can change your beliefs. Thank goodness. And that, <laughs> well, and that's the most important thing about manifesting to, you know, to understand is that if you change your belief, you change your life. Because mm-hmm. you start manifesting from a healthier unconscious belief. And you will start manifesting events and circumstances and experiences that match your new healthy belief. Absolutely. And that's uh, why I've think- seen so much uh, evidence of that in people. And um, I, I do and coaching. Like we call it energy healing or spiritual counseling. Yeah. And, you know, I've just I've seen some people that it's been so dramatic where they they just they they through the sessions, they changed that thought and everything changed for them so quickly. They were like, wow, some people it takes longer, but, but you can't deny it when you see that happen. It's true. This is, this really does work. You know, you you change that deeper belief and it can't help, but everything else change because you're not responding to things in the same way. You're not approaching things in the same way. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And that, um, that's the beauty and, and the, the gift of therapy of any kind or spiritual guidance or coaching or, you know, anybody that can, a good friend, a family member, anybody mm-hmm. who can help us see that what we believe isn't true. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've had coaching clients that, you know, call me and they, they think they're not a success. And I, so I make them list, you know, I make them make a list from the time they can remember every single thing that they've accomplished, you know, going to elementary school, learning how, you know, potty training, <laughs> you know, getting, getting the gold star on the test, I mean, every single thing they can think of. And they come up with lists and lists and lists of all the things they've accomplished. And I say, doesn't that show you that you're a success? Mm. And then they start to see that, you know, humans focus so much on the negative mm-hmm. and very little on the positive. It's true. But we can manifest a more positive and a happier life by changing our beliefs. Now, the manifesting formula for consciously creating something in your life, which also applies to fixing your unconscious, unconscious beliefs, is twofold. It's attention and intention. Mm-hmm. 
the attention part is what I call leg work. It's usually done by the body. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the mind, but usually the body. So, for example, like if you're looking for a new job, you know, you go into Indeed.com, you go around to those state employment agencies, you put your resume out there in various, you know, forms, you look for a job. Mm-hmm. That's the legwork. That's the attention part. Attention can also be learning about something, like learning about your unconscious belief that you've been <laughs> manifesting. And then once you've done the legwork, you go into that meditative state, that stepping back from the human mind, getting the human out of the way, and saying, I expect X, Y, or Z. You know, I expect a new job, and I want it right now. Mm-hmm. I have learned the hard way that you have to add right now <laughs> that attention <laughs> because it, you know, the universe doesn't have any time. So, you know, if you manifest something, it could be three years from now. By then, you've forgotten what it was you're trying to manifest. Uh, so I find it works better if you say, right now. And your intention, ha- it doesn't matter what words you use because it's really more a creative thought than it is words. Mm-hmm. But it's knowing that you're going to have or you're going to do or you're going to find whatever it is that you're manifesting. And do you find, is it, I know people have different ways that some people focus broadly and some people focus on specifics. So do you put out sort of the general idea, but allowing it to come in whatever form or uh, more, you know, it has to look like this? I have found it's better if you do the general. And the reason for that is because humans are in the absolute worst position to know what's good for them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have a very limited perspective. And we still have a little broader perspective, but not that much broader. But the part of us that's still in the afterlife knows what's good for us, knows what we want to do, knows what will fit. Mm-hmm. And so if we just leave it general... I know I'm going to get another job that I'm going to love right now or really (laughs) soon. (laughs) And then let the part of you that's still in the afterlife do the heavy lifting. Take care of all the details. Yeah. Find out, you know, what's really going to work for you. And then the last piece of manifesting physical reality is, you know, you have the attention, the intention, and then you have to keep your eyes open. Because, you know, if you try to manifest a specific thing, you know, a specific job or a specific person or a specific house or whatever, you're going to be looking for that. And you will miss the perfect thing that's right beside you because you don't have your eyes open. So you have to have your eyes open and you have to be in the places where you're likely to see your manifestation. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're trying to get a new job, Laying on the couch watching TV isn't going to get it done because nobody's going to, you know, walk into your family room and say, hey, I got the job for you. You know, Exactly. You, you've got to be out there in the world, in the market. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, you know, what we were saying before about, you know, it's perfectly fine to just live an animal life, to just experience what it's like to be human. If you do live life that way, you're going to miss <laughs> A lot of goodies. There's so much you could be manifesting. Yeah, yeah, so you're 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 in this uh, place that has everything possible available to you, and you know, are you going to take advantage of that in whatever way feels inspired? And and I think if you, you know, if you were meant to just fly around, then you'll be happy doing that. But I think most of us have, as you said, been there, done that before. We've We've done it a few times, so we have an intention. And if you're not moving towards that, something in you just doesn't feel right. You feel like, I'm, I'm missing out on something. I have a, yes. an urge. So I think yeah. we kind of naturally come by the, the desire to move forward. Perfectly stated. The other big thing that you can use manifesting for is self-healing. Mm. I learned in the afterlife that 
the best methods for healing the human body, mind, and emotions are energy techniques, you know, like Reiki and healing touch and chronic healing. And I don't know the names of some of the other ones. Um, but energy modalities work the best because everything's energy. I mean, source is energy. We're all energy. Energy is energy. Adding energy. And then with both the healer and the healee, the patient, both intending healing gives you attention because the energy healer is doing something usually, you know, doing something around you or on you or, you know, mm -hmm. in your vicinity. And then you both have the intention to heal. So you've got attention and intention equals manifesting. You manifest mm. healing that way. Yes. You do healing, don't you, Lisa? I absolutely do do that. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, I was so happy when, well, it kind of fell into my life. I feel um, spirit must have brought it, but to go from really just in a regular life, not knowing or feeling able to do anything about the stuff that's going on that you don't like, and then realizing that everything is energy. And like we were talking about the beliefs, you know, the beliefs kind of hinder the energy and I see them as, as creating a blockage or a stagnancy. And so when we can work with that energy to clear that, it's easier to shift the underlying belief because everything that's built up from it clears away. So it's just, yeah, even if people just learn to do that for themselves, I think it's such a great gift to to see the world that way and realize you can actually interact with it. It's not some mystical thing that is only a special few. We all have that ability that just no one had taught us yet. Yeah. And I, I learned that um, we can ask for energy. And really, at the bottom line, if you look at it, it's kind of a prayer. I don't... Yeah. I don't like the word prayer because prayer makes it sound like you lack something <laughs> and you're asking somebody out there to give it to you. Well, there isn't any out there. It's all, we're all one consciousness, all one entity. So, you know, if it's available, it's in us. <laughs> um, but what I have found works is to ask all those who love me mm -hmm. to lend me their energy to help me accomplish healing or whatever my goal is. Mm. And, you know, I address it to sometimes by name, all the people in the afterlife that I, that I know have passed on and who love me, um, people who are still, you know, in the body source, everything, everybody <laughs> send me your energy, send me your healing energy. And that works. That's why prayer chains work. It's because yeah. everybody's adding their energy together and, and their, their attention and intention. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we can also do, uh, we can manifest healing just as part of our conscious manifesting. You know, we can go into that observer position and form the intention to reduce the pain, to heal the wound, to stop an illness. You know, our bodies are biologically rebuild themselves over a period of time. And I, I'm not going to remember the exact time frames, but let's say this, the skin of your body replaces itself every seven years. So each section of skin on your body should be brand new. Well, it is brand new, you know, over a period of time. You shouldn't have a skin condition that lasts because the skin's brand new. Right. The reason why some medical conditions go on and on and on is because we souls remember. That's our picture of the body. You know, we think that's supposed to be there, so we put it there. And I have noticed in myself, as soon as I think, oh, I haven't had a headache or whatever it is for a long time, I'm telling you, within five minutes, I'll have that headache. You know, it's like <laughs> turn your attention to something and boom, you know. So we can heal by just stopping 
the conditions that are bothering us mm-hmm. along with using energy healing. You know, it's not usually just one thing or another. It's all things together. Yeah. All those, all the tools in the toolkit. Yeah. And then the last spiritual superpower is the best. <laughs> we can experience unconditional love. Hmm, that sounds while we're in, wonderful. Yeah, while we're in the body. Humans do not have unconditional love. Okay. Animal love is always conditional. It's based on bloodline, physical attractiveness, uh, gratitude for what somebody else can do for you, possessiveness, um, It's very conditional. Yeah, it's it's situationally related. Um, unconditional love is accepting without judgment another person, entity, being, soul, human, for what they are. Not for what they give you, not for what they can do for you, not for what their relationship to you is, not for any other reason other than they are another part of you. We're all source. We're all one. We're all parts of each other. Mm. I've had a lot of people um, confuse unconditional love with Accepting abuse. Mm-hmm. We have to unconditionally love ourselves as well as others. And that means we do not have to be a doormat for somebody else. We do not have to let somebody else push us around. We do not have to allow them to abuse us physically, emotionally, mentally. We can stand up for ourselves. That's unconditional love. Unconditional love, the way I learned it in the afterlife, is doing what's best for the greatest number of people. Well, hmm. the greatest number of souls, for light beings, because it was in the afterlife. It was the greatest, greatest number of light beings. But here on earth, it would be for the greatest number of people. And sometimes, you know, if there's a, a group of people and there's no perfect solution that's going to make them all happy, you do what's best for most of them and... That's still unconditional love, even though not all of them get what they want. And it's unconditional love when you do what's best for others, even though it doesn't help you any. That's the best unconditional love. The very first time I went to an IONS meeting, International Association for Near-Death Studies, the leader of the group, I was telling my NDE story, and when I was coming back in the body, I was told, that I had two missions. One was to tell anyone who would listen what Mm -hmm. I experienced and what I learned in the afterlife. The other one was to experience unconditional love as Nancy. And after that, I, I tried to find a mate, you know, I tried to find unconditional love in the mating scene, you know? Um, But the leader of that ions group said, Nancy, you can always experience unconditional love give it away. Mm. And that's true. We can experience unconditional love both by receiving it and by giving it away. Mm. And in, in our incarnated life, we're probably going to give it away more than we are going to receive it. But we can also receive true, blissful, unconditional love from all those people who love us. Mm. We, we can ask source to fill us with unconditional love. We can ask our loved ones in the afterlife to hold us in their spiritual embrace. We can ask for what we need and get it. And I know you've, you've probably had experiences yourself, Lisa. I think that the, the time that that's most palpable is, like you said, when you've gone into that meditation state where where the mind is quiet and and you're not thinking about trying to achieve something you're just able to be peaceful being and receive and then then that's when i certainly really feel that unconditional love 
uh, and it, it feels like a strong energy and it feels so wonderful. And then when I'm, you know, finished with the meditation, it's like, oh, because there it goes. And then I'm back to my mind, you know, doing what it does. And it, uh, so it feels, it feels temporary, but I know intellectually, I know it's always there. And it's just about me getting out of the way to be able to receive that. It's not that they stop sending me love. It's that I get busy thinking I'm doing other things and I don't focus on it. But when I make the time for it, then I can really sense it. That's the key. We have to put in the time or take the time or enjoy the time. Yeah, and that's, I remember when I was starting off with meditation and I just didn't want to do it because it just seemed like a chore and it seemed so hard. And, you know, now that I've been able to have these experiences, then it's, I'm not looking at it like, oh, this is an awful task that I have to do. It's, oh, I get to actually feel that beautiful feeling. If I can just practice and train, like training, you've talked before about training the human. It's like training the human, training my brain to relax and quiet and allow that, that space for bliss and connection with my greater self as well. Yeah, that, that's totally true that you have to train yourself and practice and like with manifesting or any of these other um, spiritual superpowers where you need to get into that observer that wit witness role that perspective the more you do it the faster it comes yeah and so once you, once you really practice at it like i can do a mani manifesting intention in seconds mm. and it you know once you're used to doing it and you can get into that mode quickly, it'll only take you seconds. Yeah. And so it's not a chore. It's like, it's like anything that you, you practice and you get better at, it just becomes easy. I was thinking yeah. of when you were saying about giving away unconditional love, I've found the easiest and the, the most natural ones for me comes with an animal. For example, you see an animal that's struggling and you just go over and you help it get out of whatever situation, like just something simple. And you're not looking for anything from the animal. You're like, you were stuck and I freed you. Uh, and then I, I go on my way. And to me, that's actually a good example of the most unconditional love. Because you're just, it's all, I just care about you as, as a being. And I want you to be well. And so I'm, I'm doing what I can for you. And I'm not expecting you to come back and give me a hug or something. You know, like, just live your life is the reward. Yeah, that reminds me that another way of, of giving unconditional love it's to ourselves. Do you know how many people don't treat themselves as well as they treat their pets? Probably most, I would think. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think I that's mean, one of the hardest things, actually. I've experienced it, and most people I talk to, loving yourself is hard because you've learned, as you said, you've learned from in utero and on up to dislike things, to all the criticisms. You turn inward and say, oh, well, I mustn't be good enough, or you judge, judge, judge. And it's that's become what's been learned and easy is the, the judgment. And so now we have to to swap that and, and train the, the positive instead. Yes. Well, Lisa, you said that some of your viewers, our listeners had questions for me. Yeah. Do you want to do? Well, one, one thing that I uh, noticed, just a few people were wondering about the different experiences that or people have different people who've had NDEs have different experiences. And now certainly there's some commonalities, but they're not all exactly the same. And you know, some people will see Jesus and some people don't. Do you have any in insights on why that is from your, your perspective? Yes, I was actually told why that is. Oh, okay. Um, first of all, you have to realize that heaven is a state of mind. It's entirely mental and emotional. There is no physical component. Right. So, but, you know, when we first cross over into the afterlife, we souls are used to having a physical environment. We're used to seeing things and hearing things and feeling things the way a human does. And because once we get out of the body, we instantly manifest physical reality. We can instantly manifest what we expect the afterlife to be like, particularly if, if we know that, that we're dying and, we, and, and then we do die and cross over. 
you know, those people who believe the afterlife is going to be, you know, beautiful gardens and crystal cities and wonderful music and beautiful colors will get that for a while. It, it's a way that Source has of comforting us, of helping us make that transition out of the human experience and into the spiritual one. So we're able to manifest the things that would comfort a human for as long as we need them to. And that's also true of religious figures. You know, if we expect to see Jesus in the afterlife, there's that expectation is the creative intention of manifesting. When we're in the afterlife, we can manifest a completely real experience of whatever we want. Mm. And so some people will manifest the experience of Jesus and it'll be completely real and completely beautiful and completely theirs. Mm. So what we manifest when we first cross over into the afterlife is just for us. It mm. doesn't exist for other people. Right. So the souls, the souls around us won't see it, but we will, and we will live it and we will experience it. And that's completely real for us. Mm. So the reason why that near-death experiencers all have different stories is partly because they manifest different things right. when they cross over. And 99% of near-death experiencers just get a toe in the door. They don't, right. they don't get very far into the afterlife. Um, I did. I went through the entire process through eternal life and merging into source. 99% of near-death experiencers don't do that. So what we see and what we hear in their stories is mostly what they've manifested. And, you know, like people who believe that they should go to hell will manifest a hellish environment for themselves. That doesn't make hell real except for them. Right. And so that's why it's so, so important to heal these erroneous and harmful beliefs that we have while we're in human life, particularly mm. before we, you know, are ready to cross over. Mm. And once you've been through that manifestation, what would you say is the stage that's past that? We generally, like, the process is automatic. There, there are several stages to crossing over. You may not experience them in order. But what the stages are is when we first get out of the body, go into a void, a black void or darkness. Then you see the light. You go into the light. Then you start getting downloads of knowings. Mm -hmm. We talked about knowings before. Then you have a life review. And the life review is kind of the big tool that helps us transition from thinking like a human and thinking we are human to resuming our true spiritual nature because it allows us to look at the entire human life in context with unconditional love instead mm -hmm. of judgment. Mm -hmm. So it, it allows us to see the difference between how we were inside a human body and how we are in eternal life and, and make that face for ourselves. <laughs> you know, we, um, <laughs> you know it, it's, it's an eye-opening experience to objectively view your life yeah. uh, because you forget so much of it. <laughs> but it's, it's part of the transition. And most souls, once they've gone through the life review, they're through the, the major part of the transition. And then the next stages are generally when a near-death experiencer dies or most people die, if they're in the incarnation phase of eternal life, they return to the state of existence where we incarnate. Okay. Uh, if you finish the incarnation stage of life, you may go into a stage that I went into, which is where we live vicariously by merging our energy into others that we love and experiencing vicariously what they experienced in physical life or eternal life. It's a complete, like a virtual reality game, only super, yeah. super souped up. <laughs> and, and there are other levels that I didn't experience, but I was, I was aware that they existed. Right. I don't know what they are. The very last stage is we wake up to the knowledge that we are source and that we've never been a separate 
mm. being or entity or anything like that. Like going fully home, back to our full yes. self. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you, Nancy, so much for sharing all of this wonderful information of your experience. It's, I know it's so beneficial and so uplifting and inspiring. And there's so much to cover, but I think we've got to to the nuggets of it all in our in our two calls. And and as people can see behind you, you have your beautiful books backwards series, and then then you have a couple of new ones as well. So I'll, I'll put those up on the screen for people, but they can access those. Thank you. From your websites. Um, Backwardsbooks.com. B-A-C-K-W-A-R-D-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And that's got all my books and CDs and DVDs. NancyDanison.com just deals with manifesting. And from book retailers all yes, over. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, yeah. Yeah. eBay, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> and as you are saying, you do coaching, so people can also connect one-on-one with you. Uh, to have their personal sessions. Thank you, Lisa. I just, I adore you so much, Nancy. Thank you for agreeing to come on and be in video and on the radio with us to share your message to all sorts of people far and wide so that we can all perhaps start manifesting a little more consciously for ourselves and living happier lives. Thank you, Lisa, for helping me with my mission. It is my sincere pleasure. Thank you. Bye. My wonderful listeners, there are only two shows left of Spirit Speaks on News for the Soul. The last episode will be on May 5th, and it will be a live call-in, so be sure to tune in for that. I have so enjoyed sharing the last two years with you. Spirit has covered so much in that time. If you'd like to continue hearing Spirit's channeled messages, you can join me once a month for a live conference call. If you enjoy hearing from my special guests, I will continue posting interviews on my YouTube channel. Today, Nancy was talking about accessing universal knowledge and talking to your light being friends and your higher self. And I happen to be offering a workshop on exactly that on the 1st of May. It's a full day and we go through many different ways that you can connect so you can practice and find what feels right for you, what you gravitate towards. It's a lot of fun and very informative and is such a beautiful skill to have for the rest of your life. If this calls to you, if it speaks to your heart, then I really look forward to working with you to help you develop your own personal connection. You can get information and sign up through my website, lisavirtue.com for the workshop, for the monthly channeling, and for the links to my YouTube page. As always, you can also connect with me one-on-one for a personal channeling session or what I like to call a transformation session where we do that energy healing and spiritual guidance and counseling to help you work through those root issues so that you can clear out those unconscious beliefs and free yourself to the magnificence that is waiting there for you. I look forward to connecting with you in all of these new ways plus our last two shows. I'll see you again in two weeks. Bye for now.